in 2002, in 2002, I was the executive pastor at Church of the Savior just up the road, uh, Mom, our mothership. And at that time, the church was running between like four and 500 people. We had two services, and I was one of just two, two full-time pastors. So that we had one pastor per, one full-time pastor per 200 congregants. And if you know anything about church world, that's like a lot of congregants per pastor. So um, in that time of my life in 2002, I would put in a 50-hour work week, Monday through Friday, and then about four to five nights a week, I would just be committed. Because I had Sunday night small group, I had Wednesday night programming that um, I was in charge of, but thankfully had hired a, a lady to direct to the kids' part. Um, I would have a couple of different meetings in the week, and then every Saturday morning was leadership training. John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership it was awesome. And so I was just, you know, I worked a lot. And, and I've told this story at Generations before. There was one night um, we used to have a, 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 a dinner with our good friends, Holly and Burley Law. Burley and Holly Law. Burley's the husband. And we would do this once a week. One week would be at our house. The next week would be at their house. And John Mark was four at the time, and his little cousin buddy, Caleb, was about the same age, four at the time. And I was getting ready to go to a meeting, and, and John was like, Daddy, don't go. Stay and play. And then Caleb um, did the jabber thing. He's like, yeah, Uncle Max, you always have meetings. <coughs> that was a big dad guilt moment for me. And, 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 and so, so fast forward to um, 2013, the end of 2013. So November, December, into January of this year. Um, on Monday through Friday, I was putting in about a 30-hour work week. I had no meetings whatsoever for a long time. And there were things about generations that just weren't getting done. So, so here's what I want to tell you this morning. Someone in your life, when it comes to work and life and this idea of balance, someone in your life is always going to get shortchanged. Always. It's just going to happen. You can't live a balanced life, uh, and that's what I want to suggest to you today. When experts talk about balance, why you want to have balance between your work life, professional life, and your home life or spiritual side, just know that they're snake oil salesmen lying to you because imbalance is the name of the game. Um, for me, in 20, 2002, my family was getting the short end of the stick. In late 2013, guess what? Generations was getting the short end of the stick. Always somebody's going to get shortchanged. This is how it is. Um, unless you are Brad Pitt and you can hire two nannies and a professional cook, you're going to struggle with this issue of imbalance. Brad can do films and do all this cool stuff, solve problems on the continent of Africa, and be the consummate dad because he's got support staff that you don't have. <laughs> okay? And I want to suggest that to you today. This is even more so true in America because since the 1970s, since the 1970s, a couple of big things have happened. One, women entered the workforce in droves, and that's been a game changer for us as a society. And divorce has become a little bit more commonplace. And so those two things together have been game changers that make the 1950s life that we kind of idealize in America just almost impossible to obtain. And so um, I want to give you some quick uh, snapshots of the average household and family, not that you didn't know these things. So of two-parent homes, of homes in America that actually have two parents in the home, two-thirds of those homes, both the parents are working. And so 
the average mom, the average uh, woman in that uh, two-parent household puts in her eight hours at work, and she comes home, and this has been calculated, does another 4.3 hours of domestic work each and every day. I can see it in some of your eyes right now, ladies. You're like, what you want to do is to the man next to you go, honey, you need to listen to the man of God who is speaking the word of God to you today. Today, listen and repent. Okay? Now, I have, I, I have good news, too, for you guys. Okay? American men, America, the average man or dad in this two-parent home does 2.5 hours of domestic work per day. Um, now, if I said, you slackers, you all Id- Id- idolize these European men that are buff and so open and, and just wonderful. And in film, they're portrayed awesomely. American men put in 23 minutes more a day than the U- average European man. Oh, yeah. I know. So there you go. All right. Here's, uh, organiz- there's actually an organization that tracks this thing of balance. Um, I told you it's a myth, but they track this thing. Um, and they have ranked 36 nations. They've looked at 36 nations and ranked them in terms of the nation's ability for people to achieve this mythical goal of balance. Do you have any guess where the United States of America, good old America, would rank out of 36 nations? You guys are so awesome Eeyores. Uh, we'll rank at the bottom. <laughs> If it's America, we're probably dead last. (laughs) Do we need Ronald Reagan to come back from the dead and do the, it's morning in America again? (laughs) Okay? Actually, it's not quite that bad. We're only 28th. (laughs) Oh, see, everybody's like, wow, we're doing awesome. We're we're 28th out of 36 countries. (laughs) I love it. You know, there's a reason we're 28, okay? If you're a single parent, you don't have somebody that you can typically go, hey, honey, I need to tap out right now. I really need to focus here. Um, If you're in a two-parent working home, uh, you're on the go, typically. You know, you got soccer, you got things. One of you has brought work home, and it's like, go, 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 and you're on the go. And if you've got little kids, it's the whole, mommy, will you read to me, mommy? Hey, Julie just puked all over the, you know, and you just want to go, oh, you know, so it's, there's this craziness factor, which is why, which is why a lot of parents, I think right now, inwardly, even though we, they wouldn't admit it, struggle with feelings of inadequacy and guilt. And if you're here today and you're a young person or a teenager, I want to let you in on a secret about your mom and dad that they would tell you if they were honest. And that is, more often than not, they really do feel inadequate in terms of what they're doing for you and how they're cheering you on, and, and they're being present in all the ways that they want to be present for you, that's just true. So if you've ever, you know, if you want to know what's going on in your mom and dad's brain, more often than not, that's what's going on in their brain. Now, the sinister ones of you teenagers, I know you're going to be like, dang, I could totally leverage the car keys more often. I could probably get a few more bucks at allowance time. Well, you know, you weren't at the concert last, you know, I, I get it, I get it. But remember, use your powers for good, not evil, all right? <laughs> Mom and dad in America have this whole list of shoulds because paraded in all the images, you know, everything that is presented to us in the form of an image isn't real. The people that you see in these magazines, they're not real. The homes, you know, these people that 
yeah, we, you know, we have this organic garden outside and we made on this addition and, you know, it's in whatever architectural digest or whatever it is or on the HGTV. Those are staged. They're not real. It's not what it looks like when they're actually living, people living in them, okay? And so uh, your mom and dad have all these thoughts in their heads about what their home should look like and how they should be present. And they've got Oprah and other people that are like, you know, you need to be there for their kids at every point along the way. And, and today, let's be honest, there's a lot more things to be there for than there was 20 or 30 years ago. You know, a, the older generation would stand up and go, yeah, my parents showed up for graduation, and that was it. Well, now you graduate from kindergarten and first grade and fifth grade and sixth grade, <laughs> and you got karate graduation. And you got, there's a lot more events to go to than there was 20, 30 years ago, okay? So balance Balance, what I want you to know today about balance, it's a myth. Something in your life is always going to get the short end of the stick. Short changing, that's reality. And it's going to happen at times in your life, you're going to feel like your job is shortchanged. It's just going to happen. One of my favorite scenes from the movie Parenthood with Steve Martin is uh, one of the themes of the movie is that um, Steve Martin's character is actually a good dad. He just doesn't realize it. And he decides to pull out all the stops and work really hard at his job because his boss um, compared him to uh, his co-worker who was single and walked away from his wife and family and the whole nine yards. And, and so Steve Martin puts, puts in some effort, but the promotion ends up going to Dave. And there's this great scene where Steve Martin's like, well, you know, I'm sorry I didn't razzle and dazzle you like Dave. You know, I quit. And it's this great I quit scene. Um, there's a lot of language in it, so I can't show you the clip, but... You know, Steve Martin realized in that moment, you know, somebody's going to get shortchanged, and he'd be in shortchanging his work, and then he dialed that up, and it still wasn't enough. And, and so shortchanging, uh, some of you are at points where you feel like you're shortchanging people. You've got to finish a degree. You've got to get certification. And you're like, ugh, I've got to study again tonight. Ugh, you know, kill, kill me now. Okay, I get it. Um, it's one of the reasons why, for a long time, because I am a pastor, if I met somebody who was a pastor's kid and I could get to know them a little bit, I would ask all kinds of questions. So, what was it like growing up? You seem relatively normal. Do you like God? Do you like the church still? <laughs> you know, and I, you know, because I wanted to know. Because I, you know, in honesty, it's still the case, John, I promise. I don't want to mess up when it comes to my kids. It's, it's true. I don't. Um, but here's, here's why I think it's hard, the, the balance thing is a double whammy for us, and, and that's this. When push comes to shove, when push comes to shove, it's easier, uh, it's easier to shortchange the relationships. And let me tell you two reasons why that's the case. One, in the professional world, the results, if you put in the effort, they're immediate, they're clear. We hit the sales goal. I brought in the new client. The project is done. My task list, look, it's all checked. And there's, there's something tremendously satisfying and rewarding about that. Relationships are like laundry. It's never done. There's always another load. <laughs> and for those of you that aren't laughing yet, just have several kids. You'll understand. There's always another load, okay? Um, that's the first reason. The second reason is because when it comes to relationships, because we're in relationship with them, it's easy for us to have this mindset of, they'll understand, we'll just catch up later, right? And so I want to make a case for living an imbalanced life 
but in a particular way today. And if you'll allow me to do that, I'm gonna, we're going to look together at the great commandment. And Jesus talks about this and teaches it in Matthew chapter 22, verses uh, 33 to 40, or 34 to to 40. So Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. This is one of three encounters where Jesus is uh, interfacing with uh, an expert, a scribe, um, a religious teacher, and the person that's interfacing with Jesus is trying to trick him to get Jesus to say something where they can go, oh, you're so in trouble, blaspheme, blaspheme, I got a rock, get skidding, you know, and they're really excited and they're trying to do this to get Jesus in trouble because they're grumpy about some of the things that Jesus is teaching and saying. And so the guy comes along, so let's just get into the text. So there's the context, verse 34 of chapter 22. But when the Pharisee, oh, yeah, I said the word, heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in the religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, you can almost hear the fake insincerity. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Hmm. Okay, so, you know, a good Jew of that time, what do you mean most important commandment? There's 613 of them. Do all of them, right? It's real simple. It's cut and dry. You obey. You obey all the time in all ways. And not just those 613, but there's a lot of others that the rabbis have stipulated that are also important too, and you should do those. Just obey. Get over it. Okay, so Jesus weighs in. Jesus replies, verse 37. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I love this. I love this. The reason why, sometimes in my life, I don't know about you, but I need focus. I need a goal. I need the ability to go, this is more important than that. Because there's a lot of this and that's in my life. And Jesus, in this interchange with an expert in the religious law takes all 613 commands takes all of the old testament and he goes you know what you're right some things are more important than others and so I, here i'm gonna i'm gonna in a prioritized way i'm gonna articulate for you what's really important love god with everything you got love god with all of you don't hold anything back love him love him And, oh yeah, people, which, by the way, are your neighbors, love them. Give of yourself, okay? And and so you want me to summarize the Bible for you? It's about relationships. God, people, getting there. And so the best thing that you could do is completely give yourself to God and the people around you, and especially your family, and hold nothing back. But here's the thing. See, right, you and I have this shortchange issue. We run into this, okay? So I want to ask some questions, and I want to give some practical advice, and I want to flesh this out, right? So Jesus, when pressed, is able to go, okay, this this is most important. This is second most important. Do you have the ability to say that in your life right now? Have you actually thought through, and as a person gone, one, two, and maybe even three? Most people can't remember anything more than the five fingers on their hand, so if it's more than five, it's too many. (laughs) 
if you have seven priorities, you have zero priorities. You're like, what? I know, it's the whole hand thing. Don't ask me, ask somebody else, okay? So here's the first question. Who, in your life right now, who or what is getting shortchanged? Who or what's getting shortchanged? Does that need to change? And how long, how long have, has that been, or they, how long have they been shortchanged? And do you need to do something about it? And, and here's where I want to say, there's going to be seasons and you know what? I want to tell you this morning that there are times when, quote, your family's going to get shortchanged. And you know what? That's okay. You need to finish the degree. You need to get the nursing thing done. You, need, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about over a 10-year, 20-year run. If your family is always over 20 years getting shortchanged, that's something else. But there are going to be seasons where you're focused on family, where you're focused on work where you're focused on some things that, in areas where you're growing in your life personally with God. And, I'm, you know, go for it. But right now, who's, just understand who, you know, and ask yourself, who's getting shortchanged right now? And then a second question, am I, that I ask myself, am I imbalanced in response to my world? Am I imbalanced as a result of external pressures? Or am I imbalanced in alignment with my priorities? Let me ask that again. Am I imbalanced in response to my world or as a result of external pressures, or am I imbalanced in alignment with my priorities? I would urge you to be imbalanced with what you've predecided, with what you've chosen, rather than simply what was thrust upon you. Does that make sense? You're just going to be, you're going to, you know, you're feel better, okay? So, and let, let me give some practical advice, right? Practical advice thing number one. Do one thing at a time. I know we love multitasking. Don't come on. Just go drive to Lexington any given morning, say between 7:30 and 9 o'clock. <laughs> Look at the multitaskers on their way to work. I love the fact that so many people, they're not just on the phone, but drinking coffee and smoking a cigarette and doing something else while they're driving. <laughs> Some of them are even having a teleconference on their way in to the office. It's just awesome. And I'm always like, death, there's death in the car. Oh, get away from me. You know, okay, so multitasking is this great invention, and I think it's part of the myth of the balanced life, that if you can just multitask, it will, poof, it will give you more time. If you could just multitask better, why, poof, it would create more time for you. I think it's a lie. <laughs> I just don't think it works that way, okay? So do one thing at a time. When it comes to relational things, the people, things in your life, put away the phone, put away the tablet, and simply be fully present. When it comes to the things that you're needing to do, when it comes to work or whatnot, study, get the project done, knock it out of the park, and don't be ashamed that you're doing it. Just do it with oomph and gusto, but do one thing at a time, right? There's... There's some practical advice. And then practical advice number two, and this is where um, the physician needs to heal thyself. Is that the saying? Yeah. Uh, advice number two, eliminate should from your brain. Eliminate, come on, eliminate should from your brain. This is where I have to admit this is, this is my struggle. Uh, you know, my mom gets on me from time to time. Jenny can't get on me as much anymore because, you know, I get a little barky with her about it. But I come in to the house, and if I see, like, dishes that need to be done, then I'm like, oh, 
need to do that. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. And I needed to fix that thing, the gutter thing that was hanging off. And there's always this, oh, I should do this, I should do that, I should do this, I should do that. <laughs> Shoulds will suck the life out of you. I mean, trust me, it will. It's like a vacuum hose to your soul, and it goes... <laughs> I love, when I was reading one article about work-life balance, this one lady was so proud. She was like, you know what? I've just gotten to a point in my life where I don't care what my house looks like. <laughs> and she was like, but she eliminated the should of what her house should look like so that she could focus on priorities about what she felt God was, you know, this is where my focus should be, okay? So do one thing at a time and eliminate should from your vocabulary and from your brain. It's, seriously, most of the shoulds, let's be honest, most of the shoulds in life, do they really come from God? Let me ask that a question again. You're smart people in this room. You're, you're, I'm sure you're over 100 on the IQ test, right? Do most shoulds in your life come from God? No, no, they don't, right? <laughs> okay, so... It, now, for the really brave among you, if you want, you can do this homework assignment. Um, sometimes I'm encouraged by this. Sometimes I do this homework and assignment, and I'm like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> Emmy's like, great. I don't want to do it now. He was, <laughs> he was stabbing himself <laughs> violently. I mean, what's up with? Okay, so, so here's the homework assignment. Okay, but the, a time audit. I mean, really, in any given day, that's where the, that's the big level playing field of life. Bill Gates has the same amount of time as you and I do. Brad Pitt, same amount of time as you and I do. We all have 24 hours in a day. Nobody gets any more than that. Nobody. Okay, so where is your time going? You can approach it with a, a morning, afternoon, evening grid. And so you've got 21 grids for the week. And you look back at the week and you say, okay, here's what my grid tells me. Am I... Am I focused where I want to be focused, where I've pre-decided, where I've chosen, where I feel like God is leading me to focus? Um, if, for those of you that are the book, bookkeeper types, man, you could like chart it out with your phone or an app, and every hour, ding, and you enter what you did. And you could have a nice little report in Excel at the end of the week. <laughs> Detailed, everything that you did, every hour of every waking moment, okay? So... Now, if you're here today and, and hearing me talk about this, if you're like, you know, Max, on the whole, I feel like I'm shortchanging the right things at the right time in my life. Hearing you talk about this, hearing, you know, Jesus prioritize, you know, yeah, I, I would say to you, awesome, good for you. If you're here this morning and you're like, thanks a lot. I, you know, when I actually think about things, I'm like, ugh, I need to change, right? I want to do this and not that then I want to suggest, one, you've been given an opportunity today. Today's a new day. The past is in the past, but you have an opportunity to do something about it, and you can. You can. I believe you can. The second thing is I want to plant a seed of hope, and the hope is this. Did you know that God has a family? Did you, have you heard that? It's like on the street. It's everywhere. It's worldwide. Did you know that God has a family? He does. God has a family. Just like you have a family that has all the issues that it has. We won't get into that. That's not today. But God has a family, and God has adopted people into his family as sons and daughters. Your status with God is not based on your performance. Did you know that? Your acceptability to God 
the way in which God, in a metaphorical sense, would look at you and go, ah, I love you, is not based on whether or not you finished the degree, on how much money you brought home, on whether or not you're the consummate mom or dad that you feel that you should be and maybe aren't. It's not based on any of those things. It's based solely on the fact that he made you because he made you, he loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. And his son, Jesus Christ, did all the performance God needs. That's what, what we call the, uh, the doctrine of grace, getting something really awesome that you don't deserve. And so I, I would want to remind you as we wrap things up today, in God's family, a second chance, a third chance is always on the table because God's love for you is not based on your performance. It's based on something else. And when you open up your life and you put your confidence in what Jesus did and you become an adopted son or daughter, your relating with him is not based on checking things off on a list and feeling like you accomplished everything you need to accomplish. It's not how God rolls, right? And that's truly good news. That's an awesome family thing. I see it play out in this family regularly. Even this morning, I had, I had a couple of things that were, you know, bringing me down attitude-wise. And folks here, some, somebody prayed for me. I was extended grace because people in this family have received grace. And I know that's hard to do at home, right? right? One of the hardest places to extend grace is for the people closest to you. But I, I know God can work. The Holy Spirit can work, and it will happen over time, and you'll find yourself, it'll be like grace, it'll come out, right? So, yes, yes, it is a myth that you can live a balanced life. No, you should not even try. Live as an imbalanced life as you possibly can, but live it in pr with what you have predecided and with what you've chosen and with what God is telling you to do, rather than simply what is thrown at you, and you can do this. I want to pray.